ESPN LA 710. Hey, thank you for joining me here on ESPN LA. This is The Experience, and I am Lafern Cusack. If you want more information, log on to ESPNLA.com and go to the Experience page and download more podcasts or check me out on Twitter at Lafern Cusack. Did you know that November is Pulmonary Hypertension Awareness Month? Do you know what CTEF is? C-T-E-P-H. And you heard about Chris Bosch, Serena Williams, Regis Philbin, Jerome Kersey. What are the reasons for pulmonary hypertension, pulmonary embolism, scleroderma, and deep vein thrombosis? Why are they connected? What's the blood clot got to do with the athletes? Well, today we're going to talk all about that with co-founder of PH.Global, Steve Van Warmer, and Dr. Victor Tapson, who's a physician and researcher in pulmonary medicine at Cedar sinai Thanks, guys, for joining me today. Thank you. Thank for... you so much. Steve, we, ha- we have a history mm. together. Yes, we do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> tell us about pulmonary hypertension and PHAware.Global. Dr. Vic should clarify mm. my medical jargon here, but pulmonary hypertension is basically a chronic rare lung uh, disease of the arteries in the lungs uh, uh, that come out of the heart. Is, is that fair to say? You're right on target there, Steve. Yeah, pulmonary hypertension disease, it's different than this regular hypertension, if you will, or systemic hypertension. You know, you check the blood pressure in your arms and legs. This is in your lungs, and the millions of little blood vessels in your lungs can become narrowed and thickened and cause the pressure to go up, and this causes shortness of breath. It can cause chest pain and fatigue. Um, it, it it creates a problem where the heart can't pump the blood into the lungs, and pa- patients get short of breath, get swelling. It's a, a very difficult disease, and uh, in the olden days, it led to death within months to a few years. Now, fortunately, we have some treatments for this disease. This is why I always roll with a medical ex- uh, expert. <laughs> But uh, but um, November uh, is Pulmonary Hypertension Awareness Month, and uh, so yes, we do have a history, uh, Laferne, and uh, and I'm so grateful and thankful to uh, that you had us back and have had us back um, uh, many times to uh, to spread awareness about this uh, this rare disease. Uh, so. Um, just a little bit about uh, pulmonary, uh, excuse me, about PH Aware Global. Uh, it's a nonprofit, five hundred one c three, that uh, was uh, co-founded by uh, a number of individuals um, that I'd like to tell you very briefly about that have a real intimate. Um, connection with this disease. Myself, uh, I have a 14-year-old son, uh, Lucas, who was diagnosed uh, with this uh, with pH 10 years ago this uh, this month. And uh, he's doing great. Uh, he's on oral medications, doing very well. Uh, uh, another co-founder named John Hess, he lives in uh, Colorado, has a, a 17-year-old son named Ian. Uh, another uh, one of our co-founders, our managing director, Marie Rand, she is a, is a mother, single mom uh, out of New Jersey, who who, uh, tragically lost a daughter to this disease many uh, uh, 12, uh, 13 years ago. Uh, and uh, our chairman, another co-founder, Harry Rizakis, is a uh, former patient. He has a form of this disease called CTEF uh, uh, that's 25 some years ago, <clears throat> excuse me, 25 some years ago, uh, he actually uh, had was the percentage of patients that could have a surgery uh, that uh, uh, Dr. Tapson will talk about that uh, he went from being breathless to uh, being cured. So um, basically, it's individuals and uh, and medical advisors uh, like Dr. Tapson and and others that our uh, our goal is to basically uh, spread awareness and give patients, caregivers, families. Uh, 
tools to uh, to help spread that awareness and engage uh, no matter where they are in the in the world. Now, Dr. Tapson, when <clears throat> PH first came into the existence of the minds of the medical community, were there some issues with what exactly was it? Is it like when I hear Steve talk, it's like, is that asthma? Is that, you know... How did they go about finding exactly that is pulmonary hypertension? Well, it's a great point you make, especially mentioning asthma, and I'll tell you why. I saw my first patient with pulmonary hypertension in 1982, and I was pretty young then, so okay, pretty young then. Um, We had no therapies for this, and this young uh, Baptist minister from South Carolina, a very nice 29-year-old man, had shortness of breath. No one could figure out what he had. Um, Was it asthma? People thought it was asthma, but he didn't wheeze like an asthma patient. They thought he was just tired and out of shape. He gained some weight. Um, This is one of the problems with pulmonary hypertension is patients often start off being short of breath. It's a difficult disease because the lung exam and the heart exam are kind of tricky. They don't tell you what's going on immediately, like like someone with heart failure or or, or asthma, uh, where you can figure out what's going on pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And so this disease can go on for six months, a year, a year and a half, Mm. sometimes two years. No diagnosis, worsening symptoms can be very, very frustrating for patients. And so so nowadays, fortunately, with uh, newer treatments, so we're doing much better with this disease, but we still see this problem of patients, they're seen by their family. Family doc, it's asthma. You need to lose weight. Oh. oh, you're pregnant. No wonder you're short of breath. And sometimes that's pulmonary hypertension. And then they get sent to a lung doctor or heart doctor. And even then, sometimes the diagnosis is delayed. It's a it's a tricky disease. I'm not being critical of the doctors. It's tricky. You really have to think about it. Steve, how did you go about finding out that your son had it? Um, excuse me. In Lucas's case, uh, much like uh, Dr. Tapson uh, described, he basically had a nine-month or so trajectory of not doing well, wasn't keeping up, uh, was uh, misdiagnosed with asthma, had an inhaler, uh, and... Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Vic, but it's like an, uh, an inhaler basically opens up your esophagus and everything. But the this disease is really affecting the arteries of the heart, so it's mm-hmm. basically ineffe- it's ineffective treatment. And again, it's not a knock of uh, the um, the doctors and the, or the pulmonologists. It just illustrates that uh, the monumental task that uh, organizations like PH Aware. expert hospitals like uh, Cedars Sinai and, and other orgs that that fight for this disease. That it's not just about educating, uh, you know, a family, a, a husband, a wife, a spouse, but uh, those frontline doctors, uh, general practitioners, heart uh, cardiologists, and uh, you know, ultimately, as you go up the chain, uh, people like that that are policymakers, decision makers, and the FDA, and uh, you know, legislature, et cetera. So. That's kind of the heart of our uh, mission is to really raise that awareness uh, no matter, you know, where you sit, no matter what side of the aisle, et cetera. Right. And Dr. Tapson, you go to different conferences and you speak on this. What changes have you seen made over the years in the knowledge or the expansion of pH pulmonary hypertension? Well, fortunately, Fern, we've seen a lot of changes. And and organizations like Steve's, like pH Aware, have been, you know, phenomenal in helping us raise awareness. That's been a key thing, raising awareness among patients, but also uh, really among physicians and healthcare professionals that see these patients, uh, um, letting people out there understand that this can be difficult to diagnose. But if you think of it, if you think of pH when your patient's short of breath and you get a key test, a pivotal test called an echocardiogram, we get some pictures of the heart and you can measure the pressure, then you have a pretty good idea that it may be there and you can move ahead and figure out what the cause of the pulmonary hypertension is. So that awareness 
among physicians is key, but among the other changes we've seen are research studies over the past 20 years. We have, uh, now we have, we start out with intravenous medications. When you first were diagnosed with pH 20 years ago, you had to have an IV put in. It was basically permanent. You had a pump. You had to change the dose. And you had to walk around with this pump and IV. Over the past 20 years now, we've got 14 drugs approved by the FDA, thanks to a lot of research, uh, a lot of centers around the world. Um, and these medications now, they're inhaled and even better. Now pills, just like for many other diseases. A pulmonary hypertension patient can take some pills and improve. And we've seen an improvement, a lowering of the mortality, an improvement of the death rate over the past 20 years from this disease, thanks to uh, work by research research studies, um, centers, physicians, and uh, healthcare professionals seeing patients. And organizations like PH Aware helping us raise awareness and getting physicians involved and thinking about it, and also patient support groups and, and the like. How many pills does Lucas take? The great thing is, I noted, like as he's entering decade two now, is uh, he has always been on oral meds from day one. So he was a robust responder to oral meds, thankfully. So just um just personally uh just as a parent um it, it, it that's given me the ability since it's such a low impact on on relatively speaking on our on our daily lives it makes it easy but there are people like one of my uh, co-founders, John, uh, whose son Ian is like on these pumps and you know mixing meds and you know ultimately or whoever kids or patients your your wife your sister or whoever that that it's these are they went from being very um, uh, quality of life impacting, I, I guess is the way to say it, to to fortunately there's a number of patients that respond to, to mm-hmm. these oral meds. So and I have so, to interrupt you, Steve, because you're, I think you're downplaying your role here as a father. <laughs> You really are. What you've done, and Lucas is an amazing kid. You met Lucas. Yes. He's an amazing kid. Steve amazing. and Lucas are a great team. And so I think they're just a tremendous example for what you can do with yeah. this disease. And so I'm sorry to interrupt you, Steve. No, please. Talk about some very difficult situations. This is, I can't imagine being a parent and having a child with pulmonary hypertension. Thank goodness Lucas is doing well and he's a tough kid. But Steve is a great parent yeah. and has been so involved with this that uh, Lucas is a lucky kid. And that's why I was like, you two. Uh, bringing the awareness, your passion for this, your passion for the community of a pH, the pH community global. Yeah. It's so amazing. Like, I'm telling my friends, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm interviewing Dr. Thick and Steve there. With, they're going to talk about pulmonary hypertension, pH. They're like, oh, what's pH? And I was like, well, it's this. And then I'm going into it, and I'm like, mm, yeah. you know what? I'm going to let you listen to the podcast because I don't want to describe it inaccurately. Well, you know? I think that, for me, I think what ignited uh, in myself is is 10 years ago as being a parent, a younger parent at the time, I was younger too, <laughs> is that I, my wife and I had, had a little four-year-old boy who was just diagnosed with this uh, incurable disease, they told us, and that he would probably not be able to walk to the bathroom in X amount of months or whatever. And thankfully, that hasn't been the case here. But I went to a conference and another uh, person whose birthday uh, today, the person that I basically uh, um, note as the one that really activated me is a woman named Betty Lou Wojo. She lives in Orange County. Tragically, this woman lost uh, three quarters of her family to this disease. 20 plus years ago, she had a little baby um, who had symptoms. This was before any treatments. And they went to the hospital and ultimately they had nothing for her and she lost that child. Uh, 
X amount of years later, another decade or so later, she had a then another son uh, who was in college at the time, sh- showed symptoms, and uh, ultimately passed away. Uh, shortly thereafter, or concurrently, her husband developed these signs, uh, you know, developed this disease. That's when uh, doctors and researchers really linked this to being uh, genetic. Some people uh, have a genetic form of pH. And ultimately, her husband passed away. So the work that that me personally or the organization does is on behalf of people that have lost that child, parent, sibling, wife, spouse, brother, sister, that have had a much darker time. People like our one of our co-founders, Marie Rand, a single mom who lost a daughter, yet still finds the strength to get up every day and work on behalf of kids like Lucas and others. Mm-hmm. So, so it's 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 really a a pay it forward situation, mm-hmm. I guess, is, is how I look at it. Yeah. Speaking of passion, Doctor Tapsom's birthday is today, <laughs> and he's here with us because he's so passionate <laughs> about it. You started in Florida, correct? Uh, I was in, I spent some for Duke University in North Carolina um, for many years, and then uh, then Cedar Sinai now the last three years. So it's very exciting to be out here now. Um, I've got some colleagues out here. We're doing a PH research with several colleagues here. At Cedars and seeing a lot of patients, so uh, I'm enjoying it out here in California. So you've seen the changes in the medical research and mm-hmm. how you guys help pe- people with pH. Is it kind of amazing? Like you said, back in the day there was IVs, but now it's like pills. Do you go? Yeah, of course. That now, like. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that back then? Like, yeah, that's a great point, Laverne. I mean, things have gotten so much easier, and we thought of it and worked in that direction. Um, there, there was a time even before, even before the IVs, we had nothing, and we had to tell the patient, "Look, this is a bad disease. There's nothing we can do. Um, please get your affairs in order and do the best you can with it, and we'll try to make you comfortable." And then we moved to this, the, the era of IVs, and then over time, pills. And now we're we're do, doing combinations of pills and uh, adding one pill to the next and uh, studying uh, IV together with uh, oral oral therapy pills. But it, the therapy has gotten much easier. And uh, fortunately, uh, uh, we've had plenty of wonderful patients who have helped us with these research, research studies. Now, we, the physicians and researchers get the credit, but these patients, they enroll in the studies and mm-hmm. we'll give you know, them, them a, a, a therapy. We have some pretty good evidence it's probably going to work, but it's not proven yet. We've got to prove it. And they, they go through these research studies for six months or a year. And then we learn whether the drug works or not. We get the drug approved to the FDA, and that's been the steps we've taken over the past mm-hmm. uh, 20-some years. Steve, how is pH Aware leveraging Apple's research kit? Uh, that is one uh, project that uh, is very close to our hearts, is is that um, we were doing uh, uh, some interviews. Oh, this was um, a year or so ago, and I was just in an interview with a guy, and that's right when Apple came out with their watches, and uh, and they announced this thing called Research Kit, and basically what that means is an open source architecture for any uh, researchers around the world to um, to uh, do research studies, whether it be Parkinson's or breast cancer, uh, anything, and uh, so I just was like, oh man, I really wish I could get connected with Apple. And the guy that was interviewing us said, is like, oh, I I know the guy who's in charge of QuickTime. And I sent him this story, and I'm blessed because... Like 10 minutes later, they called us back and was like, we'd never heard of pH, and we never heard this, and here's this architecture, and if you build this, this could be an interesting conversation. And so we spent the last year plus 
working uh, with that architecture, working with people in the FDA, working with a, a, a great doctor, uh, Dr. Ivy uh, and, uh, and Steve Abman, who run this thing called the PPH Net, which is a network of pediatric hospitals. And ultimately, uh, what, what that uh, Walk, Talk, Track uh, app is, is um, the kind of the definitive marker of, of a patient if they're doing well. Mm-hmm. They go to the hospital once, twice, three, four times a year, and they walk up and down a hall doing what's known as a six-minute walk test. And you are either walking 500 yards or 400 yards or 600 yards. Mm-hmm. And, and the doctor's like, oh, you're getting better or worse. And that's really how they're judging how, mm-hmm. how you're doing. Uh, but I contend, at least with Lucas, uh, that uh, he walks around with his iPhone in his hand and takes 156-minute walks test a day every day. Yeah. And so what, what that is is basically an, uh, an atigraphy app that counts your steps, your heart rate, you know, all the stuff works with either a watch or a, or a Fitbit and, and, and all this. And there's some simple quality of life surveys. So now you have the potential. We're, uh, we're working through that uh, with, with, these, uh, with these doctors to, um, to get – hundreds of thousands, millions of data points of all these, this is basically a registry within an app so that now a doctor is not looking at one singular patient. He's mm-hmm. looking at hundreds or looking at thousands of all these connected awesome. centers. So that's uh, what we hope is is going to be really a game changer uh, with mobile uh, with mobile connectivity. This is the experience here with Lufern Cusack. I'm speaking with the co-founder of PHAware.Global, Steve Van Warmer, and Dr. Tapson, Dr. Vic Tapson of Cedar Sinai, and he's also an expert on this disease. Dr. Tapson, um, November 15th is CTEP Awareness <coughs> Day. Can you talk a little bit about that? And I know Chris Bosch, he has an ac- acute PE. Can you talk about that and sure. what that exactly yes. means? Yeah, so we have, we have, we, we, we group pulmonary hypertension into five classes, Laferne, and uh, one of them is group four is CTEF, which stands for chronic thromboembolic pulmonary hypertension, which means patients have had a blood clot in their lung that doesn't go away and stays there and eventually causes problems in the lung so that these blood vessels are blocked off, the pressure goes up, and often the heart has a hard time pumping. Now, Chris Bosch doesn't have that, fortunately. Chris Bosch had acute pulmonary embolism. Now, I wasn't involved with his care, uh, to make that clear, but I do only have this PE, very common a problem, occurs in hundreds of thousands of people around the country every year, and um, often is, is, is resolvable just with medication. Patients need to be treated for three months or six months, sometimes forever, depending on the situation, with a blood thinner. And so most people, fortunately, don't go on and get CTEF. It's a small percentage. It might be three out of 100. So it's rare to do it. But, but again, when you see so many pulmonary embolism cases in this country, you're going to see some CTEF. And CTEF, if you think pH is hard to, to diagnose or figure out, CTEF is even tougher uh, sometimes. Uh, you may recognize the pulmonary hypertension is present, but may not figure out the fact that clots are causing the problems. If you don't figure out that, you can't fix what's probably the only curable cause of pulmonary hypertension. With surgery and and pulmonary hypertension, does that have clots as well? Well, you, you, actually, it's a good point, Laferne. Technically, um, these millions of little vessels in the lungs that get narrowed and thickened probably do clot off in in, in, in some situations. But that's not the main part of the problem. Oh. Um, with CTEF, that's the main part of the problem. A blood clot breaks off from your leg, goes to your lung, like it did in Chris Bosch and other patients. Um, but in in patients with CTEF, for some reasons. 
maybe genetic reasons, maybe unknown reasons, these clots don't dissolve and go away. They stay there, mm-hmm. and they cause persistent shortness of breath, worsening shortness of breath over time. So we see patients uh, uh, over six months or a year, and now they're very short of breath, and their blood clot didn't go away like it did in most people, and they've got this CTEF. But this, this is one disease that can be cured with a <clears throat> surgery. It takes a very skilled surgeon in certain specific centers to do this. Um, we have medication for it, too. We have a new medication specifically treating, uh, uh, for treating CTEF pulmonary hypertension called Rio Seguat. A number of other medicines we can use for pulmonary hypertension. But this, is a, this, this particular type is caused by blood clots. Now, uh, a lot of, do a lot of athletes, <clears throat> I don't know if maybe it's the media just exposing it more <clears throat> uh, or... Is it that more athletes are getting Well, that's a great question. I I think there are some issues about athletes that might make us think they're more predisposed to a clot. Of course, the vast majority of athletes don't get clots, Mm -hmm. but they get injuries. And you get an injury maybe in your knee, and you get an adjacent vein in the the leg that might get inflamed or irritated, and um, maybe you form a clot. These guys are out there running and working and getting uh, sweating, getting dehydrated. They travel. They sit for a long period of time. We'll see patients get a blood clot. I saw someone recently flew from Paris to LAX, got a blood clot on the plane. That's a risk factor. Most people that fly don't get a clot. Both athlete, most athletes don't get clots. But these guys, they run, they sit, they, they sit on planes, um, they get injuries. So probably those are some of the things that make some of these athletes predisposed. And some of them may actually have uh, some rare genetic disorders, too, that might make it more likely. Oh, my goodness. So much to think about. So, okay, so that I'm clear in my head. <laughs> Okay, there's pH, there's pulmonary hypertension, which we're celebrating this month. Yes. Awareness month. Um, And there's CTEP. Yes. CTEF. CTEF, a form of pulmonary hypertension, right. Okay, so is it in, let's say, an organizational chart? Is pH at the top and then it breaks off into CTEF? Yeah, and there can be, and maybe you you can say, uh, Vic, that there's related diseases. People have scleroderma or, uh, you know, uh, maybe you can... We've got got five groups of pulmonary hypertension. The first group we call PAH, or pulmonary arterial hypertension. It can be unknown cause. It can be caused by certain what we call connective tissue diseases. You may have heard of, like, lupus or scleroderma, Mm -hmm. congenital heart disease. Group two, pulmonary hypertension is caused by left heart. It's a very common cause. Left heart disease, uh, heart failure, left Mm -hmm. heart failure. Common problem, it doesn't usually cause severe pH, but can. Group three is lung disease. If you destroy all the blood vessels in your lungs by smoking with emphysema or pulmonary fibrosis, scarring the lungs, you destroy the blood vessels, you can get pulmonary hypertension as a secondary kind of a problem. Group four, I mentioned already, CTEF. And then group five is kind of a miscellaneous group of, of cause. So anytime someone has pH, we say, well, what group do they fit in? Because that may make a difference in terms of how we treat them. Are they group one? Are they group four? CTEF? What, what do they fit? So, <clears throat> Well, I mean, if I may say, because these are all uh, rare diseases in their own right, why what we have done, we've been active to reach out to these other organizations that, that treats scleroderma patients, that the Blood Clot Alliance, uh, P- the CTEF, uh, you know, the uh, members of the CTEF uh, medical community uh, on down the road, so, mm-hmm. so that we can help radiate each other's and communicate mm-hmm. each other's uh, information, uh, this, the rarity of that, and, you know, to raise, to raise that, uh, that level of awareness. I have to say, as a physician, PH Aware has done a wonderful job of linking all these different groups. I mean, not just here locally, uh, globally, different countries. They've gotten, uh, PH Aware has gotten feedback from other countries, from the yeah. podcast. And so uh, this and awareness has been, has, been fantastic. Oh, it's been fantastic. You know, we did a... An Instagram? Well, you know, we... 
that was one of the things when we started. We we really wanted to to uh, to work towards being a portal uh, of uh, of where people, no matter where they were, mm-hmm. they want they were diagnosed with this and they wanted to find information and resources. So uh, we really kind of worked uh, through social media, kind of like what we described with the phone app. Uh, we just have a number of apps because people. Um, the, your your phones or your or your tablets are really your first device, and you're, it's the first thing you're probably touching when you wake up, and the last thing before you put down. And so, uh, whether that be Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, um, uh, or various apps, we just want to find people, no matter what their age and no matter what they're communicating with, uh, Vimeo, uh, you know, uh, SoundCloud, uh, with podcasting, etc., just to find and to, to to bring those people into the circle. My dad, he had. What is that? Uh, pacemaker? Put pacemaker. In? Okay. So do pacemakers help with that? or do you- Good question. Pacemakers are more for patients that have part, uh, problems with their heart rhythm. Maybe they have heart block or heart oh, rhythm problems. Okay. So it, there, there certainly are pulmonary retention patients that might need a pacemaker, but it's not so much for the pH oh, as okay. much for a heart rhythm problem they, they, they might also have. Oh, so, okay. okay. But there, along those lines, there's, there's work being done right now on devices that look kind of like pacemakers that actually hold medication. If you need the IV medicine, you can take this you can take this little this pump, implant it under their skin, kind of like a pacemaker, and uh, Deliver the medication so the patient doesn't wow. have to carry a big pump around. So a lot of a lot of novel, uh, and that's and that is because uh, tragically a lot of these patients. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That are hooked to uh, to uh, to these IVs, they can't go swimming. Or to go take a shower, it's a whole rigmarole to, to keep that all protected and that site protected. So having implantable devices uh, while still being, uh, I guess, a in, in more impactful uh, um, delivery mechanism uh, is, is still opens up more opportunities for better quality of life. So with your son, Steve, he can do a lot of sports and activities. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, because he's got, uh, you know, exercise, you know, exercise, um, you know, issues with, you know, any of these patients have with a high, uh, I guess, activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he didn't do that. And he didn't take um, place in gym class and things like that. I will say uh, in Lucas's case and in many patients cases that he um, that was really a, kind of a non-issue in, like, in my household. And he would take uh, uh, he took art classes or thrived in other ways, mm-hmm. artistically and, and otherwise. And so I think uh, that um, that. He just replaced that activity, and I would assume many other patients do that. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I you know, I, I met another patient uh, a few months ago. Uh, we started this podcast series, and I met this young boy, and I asked him the same question. I said, "Oh, so you don't take, uh, you don't um, go to gym class? You know, what, what do you do?" And then I, I thought he was just going to say something simple, like I said, and he went into like a fifteen-minute conversation about astrophysics and mathematics <laughs> oh, and string theory and and all this kind of stuff and this this little boy named Andy uh Saygraves is is it like found it, i think a lot of people you know there it's a limiting disease okay mm-hmm. but they they do other things in life mm-hmm. and express themselves in other ways and uh while sports is very important in our society and all that kind of stuff and uh it's just um 
you know, there's, there's, there's people can thrive in other ways. Right. I, I've got a patient, uh, very briefly, uh, Lafern, who a very nice guy, who um, about 35 years old, loved to play in soccer leagues. He played in soccer leagues on the weekend, loved soccer. He's from South America. He just lo- loved it. And developed pulmonary hypertension, couldn't play. And, and he loved sports. Sports is a big part of his life. And started playing golf. And now he loves golf. And now he says, God, how do I ever play soccer? This is great. <laughs> it's not as hard. It's more fun. It's, you know, so people do compensate, like Steve suggested, right. in, in different ways. But not all pH patients cannot play, you know. Some can't. Look, you know, yeah. some do. Some, some play do. Some so- do. soccer and baseball sure. and, and all that stuff, you know. Because a lot of, you know, in kids' cases, they don't want to be different, you know. Mm-hmm. And they play high school, college sports, whatever. Uh, some are limited with mobility. It's a wheelchair. Some are on, you know, uh, unfortunately are on many, many, many liters of oxygen 24-7 and are very limited. And, oh. you know, so okay. so. Ultimately, it's a progressive disease at the same time. So, um, you know, it's different for every patient. And, uh, and you know, again, that's, you know, who who we all are advocating for. Right. Some of our severe patients, I've got a very a wonderful patient in North Carolina named Scooter who had CTEF. Unfortunately, his clots were too small, couldn't be operated on a reach, and underwent a lung transplant. Some of our patients uh, with severe end-stage pulmonary hypertension required transplantation, uh, which is a tough, tough way to go, but a great thing if it's the only option you have. And fortunately, most of our patients now are doing well. We have more medications, and we can keep a higher percentage of patients away from that kind of a, uh, a surgery. Doing this radio show, um, I've met I've met thousands and <laughs> thousands of people. There was this one young lady. I think I talked to you guys about her before. You guys mentioned scleroderma. Mm-hmm. She totally changed my life because she was like seven years old. Oh gosh! And uh, as I was talking to her through the interview, I realized that she's not going to make it. She may not make it till 12 years old, but she was so happy. She's so excited to wear her gloves because with scleroderma, you can't touch... Yeah, you get you get, uh, you get narrowed blood vessels and very very cold fingers and your fingers get cold and don't get have blood flow. So yeah, you wear gloves. It's a, it's a tough. It's an autoimmune disease uh, where you form autob- antibodies against yourself and it causes these tremendous skin changes you're describing. Tighten the skin. You get ulcers in your fingers. You can get bleeding problems from, from these ulcers. And it's one of the most common causes of pulmonary arterial hypertension, uh, which is another one of the few diseases we actually screen for pulmonary hypertension. If you have scleroderma every year. You get an echocardiogram to see if you've developed pulmonary hypertension yet. So it's a tough it's a tough disease and that sounds like a very uh, a very heroic uh, young young woman. Yeah, and she changed my life because it's like she's so happy <clears throat> and and she has a few years to live. And it's mm. like I'm okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I would think though that uh, I don't know that person personally, but maybe that's true. But it's like I met a woman uh, not too long ago, interviewed. Her name is Patricia Harrington. She's a wonderful, uh, old, uh, old uh, you know, uh, mature woman <laughs> from, uh, from Arizona. Uh, she was diagnosed with this disease many years ago, and she thought she was going to die. And so she's so her mentality, like this girl you're describing, mm-hmm. is she's like, I'm going to go out. I'm going to go see. Uh, I'm going to do things every day. I'm going to. Travel. I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing. I'm going to go to do lighthouses. I'm going to do line dancing. I'm going to do this because they're going to just leave nothing on the table. And because of the therapies we've described, people are living longer and longer awesome. and longer. And so, like, so it's a dark disease. But right. there, there's people that, uh, thankfully, thankfully, because of the great work of researchers, doctors, mm-hmm. pharmaceutical companies who are who are who are providing these therapies that people are living longer and more productive lives. So, and one, one, oh, no, go ahead. One, one quick point would just be, 
if you do have a sick patient with pulmonary hypertension, I, I, I want to advertise for these pulmonary hypertension centers around the world that really specialize in pH. Cedars-Sinai, other places, many places like this, not just Cedars. But um, we've got a lot of novel therapies. And um, if someone hasn't gotten on a novel therapy or uh, no one with pulmonary hypertension should die without getting placed on advanced therapy, an IV therapy, which might be temporary. We're doing really well with this disease. So we really like patients. If someone's telling them they're not doing well, they ought to see a pulmonary hypertension specialist. I think just like any other disease there is, you'll want to see someone that does that all the time. Uh, whether it's in New York, Los Angeles, wherever it is, London, find the specialist because uh, uh, we have a lot of novel therapies now. Yes, and it is, that's great. This is ESPN LA 710. I'm Lafern Cusack speaking with Dr. Tapson from Cedar sinai and also the co-founder of phaware.global, Steve Van Warmer. And we, we are talking about November, which is Pulmonary Hypertension Awareness Month, and also November 15th is CTEF Awareness Day. Steve, you have a lot of uh, or other organizations that you guys focus on. You're bringing into the community. I know that pH, people with pH, that's a huge, that's a huge community. How do you organize that within I, your... Yeah, so what the easiest and fastest way we, we are, are uh, thinking is to do this all through uh, mobile apps. As we're a virtual 501c3 for starters, as I said, we have four co- we have four <laughs> co-founders. We have one uh, one uh, paid employee, as I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, in in our managing director Marie Rand, and we we are we are powered uh, and fueled by uh, our sponsors and mm-hmm. and and and. and um, community members. And so what we've done is created a series of, of mobile apps. And one of which is we just launched for Awareness Month here is basically a podcast. And and you can find that on our website, which is phaware.global slash podcast. And part of there, there's a link that you can even download a smartphone app and just be pushed um, automatic uh, um, podcasts every Monday and Thursday moving forward. And what we how we found these people, like you're saying, and engage with them is that in the two weeks it's been since we put them up, uh, which we launched, you know, the end of October, it's been downloaded 3,000 plus That's times. Awesome. But more importantly, it's been downloaded in 50, over 50 countries across wow. the world in areas. I mean, the U.S. is the biggest. Canada, Serbia, Macedonia, Italy, Germany, France, Korea, uh, you know, Thailand and all points in between. And so. The thing is that um, I go to a great, my son goes to a great center in UCLA. Uh, Dr. Tapson works at a great center at Cedar Sinai. There's other uh, doctors and centers we're ta- we've talked about that are wonderful. But what is a travesty for me is to think about that spouse, sibling, uh, father, son uh, that is might be in Kenya or South Africa who might not have. One, access to treatment, or two, um, uh, you know, a great center around there. So the fact that these have disseminated like wildfire mm-hmm. and people can get educated and yes. find and hopefully take things like, uh, you know, uh, an app to, to one, listen and learn from that. Uh, one common thread right. to many of these things have been so many of these stories have really like targeted on, oh, I had asthma. I was misdiagnosed with asthma for a decade or however long. So 
we're hoping that it's educating doctors, it's these parent, you know, people, and, and your mm-hmm. whether it be your spouse or your coworkers or whoever, we're giving empowering tools that you can do things like listen and learn. And one other thing we have, and um, I, I, if I can give a, one more plug, is phaware.global/apps. That's where you can get all these apps, and there's a number of ones, and and you can find one that caters to what's important to you. One of which is uh, is a basically a global selfie. Uh, app that lets you take a photo and decorate it and make it your profile picture or in your Facebook stream or Instagram with pH facts, frames that say Awareness Month, they have right. little facts and figures. So now that everybody on your social network who is uh, who is basically, you know, in your circle of friends, they can learn about what's happening to you. And, and, and that's how we've connected with people. And people in South Africa have written us back or people in that's the awesome. UK wrote us because they saw that. And one other uh, quick thing to say is is we have another app called WePost as a company that came to us is that we can put information in there like the podcast like mm-hmm. a video we've have we have many videos with uh, with Vic and other uh, great know, experts you know to 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 where they can <laughs> they can educate themselves and learn and so we can spread that out and so with the WePost app we push that out and we've got dozens and dozens and dozens of people right. that are doing this these little awareness ambassadors that with one touch, mm-hmm. it just then blasts to all their Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Right. And so that's how we're radiating this message and blanketing yes. every continent. And we're so grateful and so thankful for every time somebody does a simple tweet and a share. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, it's, that's what's making a dent. Dr. Tapson, can you talk about your experience working with doctors overseas? Or Sure. Um, we, um, we have a pulmonary hypertension consensus meeting about every four or five years. We've done it since I was involved uh, uh, the first time uh, um, a number of years ago. We met in Venice, Italy, met in Dana Point, uh, California, in East France. We get a group of physicians from around the world. They're experts in pulmonary hypertension, and we work to kind of formulate guidelines. What's the best approach to treat this disease, diagnose this disease? Um, How do you recommend therapy to uh, uh, other physicians that may not have the same resources? And also, Laferna, I get called fairly commonly about pulmonary hypertension and pulmonary embolism from someone somewhere around the world. I have a very nice uh, physician that I'm coming with right now from Pakistan who has a patient with pulmonary embolism he's following. He doesn't have the resource. He doesn't have the same medications we have. We're trying to work on a treatment plan. I do a lot of this. We got got a call every week from somewhere around the country, around the world, someone that wants to talk about pulmonary hypertension. How can I treat this? I don't have those medicines. What should I do? And I'm trying to help guide them. Um, we can't get them over. They don't have the resources. Uh, so I'll tell you, it's rewarding in a lot of ways because we have come up with ways to kind of help people as we're working toward getting them access to medications, um, just working with the things we have, how to use um, oxygen, uh, diuretic medicine, fluid pills to help uh, treat patients with pH, working on not getting their blood pressure too low. A lot of little tips we try to try to help them with uh, when they don't have the resources. It's very satisfying, I must say, but it's also frustrating. And uh, one reason I'm really glad that Steve and his group, PH Aware, uh, getting the word around the world, because uh, uh, as we do that, I think we'll have a better chance of getting medications around the world and resources around the world. I will say there's um, much to that point is uh, about maybe six, nine months ago, there was basically uh, this thing called the pediatric guidelines. Many different doctors. I don't know the exact numbers. For the sake of argument, a dozen plus Five doctors. Basically, created the Bible of everything we know, of everything the experts know about that disease. And so, you know, a good inch or too thick, very 
heady stuff, and we've interviewed all these doctors wow. and uh, and these paper these people that have written these papers and basically had these brief videos, with, many of which you can see on our on our Vimeo page or our website that that say this is great paper. But it's like, can you distill this down so right. a parent, a, a spouse, a, a whoever walks in, and you're, you know, uh, and we did this also at the CTEF, uh, CTEF conference uh, that took place uh, a handful of months ago. So you can make this disease, which is such a complex disease, such great complex science, if you can make let people understand it, whether it be a doctor, a layman, or whoever, uh, that's that's where we're trying to just get yeah. easy to understand messaging. That's why I love Dr. Tapson so much, because you make it so clear, and it's like... I can't even imagine having a son or daughter or anyone in my family with the disease and not knowing exactly what it is. But you're so personable that you're able to connect with people in, uh, on a different level. You're very kind, love friend. Well, we really want to be able to do that in the office and also in support groups. I have a wonderful nurse practitioner named Wendy who's been doing PH for many, many years. She's helped organize support groups around the L.A. area. So any patient that hears us in, in, in L.A. area should come to a support group and uh, uh, talk to other patients and sometimes get, get, get more information. That is so important. Um, a lot of people just, they may be sitting in their shell, and I'm saying this out of, you know, they sit in their shell or in their... <laughs> bedroom mm-hmm. and don't talk and don't communicate yes. but getting that support <laughs> is very much needed and that's something we're working towards uh, uh we've been doing and working towards uh in the uh, 2017 and beyond is to uh to really you know change the scope with uh things like the face with facebook live and and uh live streaming and uh, such like that, we can also, we're trying to to find our way into like awareness education uh, for people no matter where they are. And one other quick side note, um, to anybody that says they can't participate or they can't get involved or, you know, I'm too sick to get involved, that selfie app that I described to you, I can't tell you the number of <laughs> photos I know. that have been sent back where people are literally in a heart cath lab with their doctor sending pictures because, hey, I want to be a part of this, or they or were in the ER, but they can still say, hey, this is why I'm here and put these posts up. It's, yes. you know, that's just, I mean, that's personally like you know what 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 fuels my fire right. you know like we're you know for those patients that they're still an active important productive member of right. this community right mm-hmm. absolutely um there are a lot of events that you guys do as well uh, there are five case coming up uh yes uh, i do um uh, want to give a shout out there is a um there's a 5k walk next saturday which is saturday the 12th uh called the 2016 socal friends for life walk uh you can uh I'm going to put a link on there uh, today, uh, but you can also go to Eventbrite and look up Friends for Life. Uh, that's mm-hmm. just a walk that's being put on by a member of the community. Uh, I'm, I'm right after this interview. I fly to San Francisco to go to Stanford. Has a Stanford walk tomorrow, uh, uh, 16th annual walk at Stanford. Um, again, we're just there to be community support, uh, but uh, there's going to be. 13, 1,500 patients at this thing, and we're going to go and interview some other great docs and some other patients and keep our, uh, you know, the podcast going. Great. Dr. Tapson, can you talk about the mind, body, and soul? You know, I'm really strong about the support because people need to be supported even if they don't think so. But the overall effect of having this disease 
and the need for not just the medications, but support of the mind and yeah, that's really important, Laferne. I'm glad you brought that up. <clears throat> and some some patients are fortunate enough. Uh, like Lucas, to have a strong family and support in the family, um, it comes from family, comes from <clears throat> your doctor. In the doctor's office, you should be able to sit there and talk and and share everything, every question about your symptoms and your life and how it's working and get help from your doctor. Uh, my, my patients are encouraged to call me anytime if they want to talk about things, call, call our NP. Um, that's important, that, that structure. And then, and then it's fr- friends and then that what I mentioned, outside outside of the office, um, support groups. I think the support groups are really helpful. You meet someone else with pH, it might be, he may have CTEF, and you might have a pulmonary arterial hypertension of another cause. But you kind of have a bond, you link, you offer support, really important. And then, and then again, there's groups like PH Aware pulling all this together, yeah. and you can reach out, and you have new friends in, in, in a second. You, you know, know uh, this is this is a 100% true story. I was in <laughs> Times Square uh, or, or is last it a fall. 98? And no, it's 100%. 100%. <laughs> you know, this is really like a one-in-a-million disease. I'm walking through literally in Times Square in front of the NASDAQ building, and there was just a woman sitting there having coffee who had a very similar um, portable oxygen device to one that I uh, we own. Uh and I walked up to her, stranger, and I just said, hey, can I ask you a question? By any chance, do you have pulmonary hypertension? And she looked at me and she's like, yes, I do. And she's like, and I'm like, wow. oh, I'm from this organization, PH Aware, we're doing this. I actually had on one of our, uh, our, our Wear and Rare t-shirts. And she's like, oh, I know of you guys. I've seen you on Facebook and stuff. And we sat Aww. down and talked. I talked with her and her husband. This is an older woman. And uh, we talked for 10, 15 minutes and just... As a, just a passing chips in the night, you know, and it was uh, it, so That's to awesome. us, it's it's one patient at a time, one family, one caregiver at a time, one country at a time. And that's, you know, I'm, we are so blessed to have great doctors like yes. Dr. Vic and uh, and others who um, who are helping us, uh, like I said, through research, through uh, through uh, education, through, uh, you know, helping out. It's, it's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you, you are engaged for a cure, right? Yep. <laughs> Dr. Tapson, can you talk about some ways that we can help manage? Let's talk about CTEF. How, <clears throat> what are some tips or can you give us some tips on managing this disease? Sure. I think the real tips are first, the real key is making sure you get the diagnosis. And there's a test called a ventilation perfusion scan, a VQ scan. Um, Patients should say to the doctor, you know, I've had a CT scan. I haven't had a VQ scan. I mean, should I have one? And and maybe they need one, maybe they don't. But ask your your doctors as many questions as you can. Um, And the the real key is get that diagnosis made. Do you have CTEF or don't you? And if you do, the real key question, Laferne, is are you operable? Can you have surgery? Because this disease is is cured. Now you may stay on the blood thinner subsequently, um, but it's curable in many per- cases if you if you get surgery done. It's got to be done in the right place. Mm-hmm. Surgery is really key. And then now we have medications. If you can't be operated on because the clots are too small, too far out in the lung, you can still get put on medications and do well. So the real key with CTEF: secure the diagnosis, make sure you know what you got, see a, an expert center um, to be considered for surgery. And if you're told if you're told you can't have surgery, just make darn sure you've been being told by an expert center. Yes. Because there's only a few in this country that really do a good job with the surgery and, and have experts in it. Um, that's the real key with CTEF. Um, secure the diagnosis and um, and make sure you're, you're considered for surgery. And if you're not, there's still good options. Steve, can you talk about some tips for families that uh, 
you know, can help support each other? Yeah, I I think that what's been great uh, really has been kind of the precursor to even this organization is how, uh, you know, places like Facebook has so many these splinter groups. I don't want to call them splinter, but like basically... Uh, there's like one, for example, called the PH Men's Fight Club for a men's support group. There's families with uh, with children with PH. There uh, could be, you know, the San Diego support group. Uh, you know, wh- whatever it is, there's many of them. Uh, there's PH Family, a global support group, basically. And so when we have information w- that we believe that is pertinent to those particular people, we will we'll reach out and try to connect them. Or, if, like I said, if we see organizations uh, or a group doing something like a walk uh, that will, you know, or Duke University that had a great event uh, uh, yesterday, uh, that we will um, try to magnify that out. Uh, the beauty and the blessing is that uh, over the course of the last year and a half that we've been around, that we have really um, kind of risen to the top on on, on uh, social media as far as, you know, on our, tw- you know, our Twitter and Facebook and all that, which is just at PH aware. Uh, and so since we have that ability and that reach and that glory, Global reach. It's 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 just about connecting because you know to circle back to ten years ago uh, when we were when Lucas was diagnosed and you're just lost mm-hmm. and confused and so many great advances and so much more te- technology connectivity has yes. happened in that last decade that we have the ability to meaning people have the ability to connect and to find what they need uh, when they need it. And, and, and if we can be a very small uh, part of that, and, and we're just trying to get people to a center and to a great doc so they can get the treatment they need right. to, le- to live the longest, most fulfilling life they can. Yeah. And we have some great centers here in California. I mean, sure, come to see us at Cedars. UCLA has a superb center. USC, there's a great center up in, up in Santa Barbara, San Diego. If you're in a small town a couple hours away, you need a good family doctor. You may need a good lung or heart doctor there in town. But it's worth making a trip for a couple of hours periodically to come to an expert center. Pick one, uh, establish a bond. And make sure when you're doing that, that sure, that you're uh, still connecting with your, your lung doctor at home and the doctors are communicating. That's really important. Oh, yes. Communication between the center and the home doctors. Uh, it's not a question of stealing the patient or taking over care. Everyone's communicating and helping. I also think, and maybe I'm optimistic, and you tell me what you think on this, uh, Vic, is that I don't believe one singular person is going to find the solution. I think that somebody's blood test in Serbia is going to be connected with some gene therapy in Utah or a a great center in Los Angeles or some patient who gave Mm -hmm. a blood test in Canada. Right. And so if all those pieces are connected, then we hope we're getting there sooner. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so. Again, we're blessed to be powered by a lot of great pharmaceutical companies that are, uh, we're, we're blessed to be supported by organizations, uh, partnered with organizations that help radiate messaging, places like the Pulmonary Hypertension News, the Mighty, or uh, a conference we're going to uh, in, called called the C-Suite Network, which basically is a bunch of, uh, you know, top-level executives mm-hmm. at all these you know, huge companies that that can help us radiate a message. 
really quick uh, bite about that is that we connected with one uh, who who basically gratis gave us um, um, that works for Air Canada that said we're going to give you in-flight magazines all of November, all of December, <laughs> and they in every one of their flights, which is the largest airline in Canada, awesome. as an example, the 400 plus planes. So I have no idea what the ex, ex, being exposed to that yes. will be, and it, it, hopefully, if we yeah. capture somebody, great. Uh, I hope we do, and uh, if That's not, great. we're just. You know, we're just enlightening someone about about this disease. Yes, yeah. we're a bi- we're a big family in pulmonary hypertension in the fern. Uh, some of my best friends that I have are people I've been known for twenty years in the PH field: doctors, nurses, people yeah. like Steve with organizations helping spread the word. Uh, it's really a big family, and uh, uh, we we love to get patients involved in the in the support um, and in the in the medical care. Yeah, and uh, I feel it, and I feel your support and love for each other and your passion. So um, I'm sure all our listeners feel it as well. Um, again, thank you so much for coming and sharing on your birthday. Oh, my pleasure. Happy awesome. Birthday. Great present. Great Happy present. birthday, right? Um, and again, for more information, Steve? Go to phaware.global or phaware365.org. And finally, check out phaware.global slash podcasts and learn a little bit more about uh, this great global community. Yes. Well, again, have a wonderful birthday. Thank you, uh, Dr. Vic. Hapson from Cedar sinai expert in pulmonary hypertension and co-founder of phaware.global, Steve Van Warmer. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you so Thank much. You. ESPN LA 710. PHAware Global Association is devoted to educating the public about the rare, life-threatening vascular disease, pulmonary hypertension, or PH. PHAware creates global pH awareness on behalf of families, caregivers, medical professionals, and supports pH research efforts for this deadly disease. Their goal is to capture, engage, and enable misdiagnosed and undiagnosed pH patients because early diagnosis and treatment can mean the difference between life and death. Their unique expertise in utilizing innovative technology and their knowledge of its use to solve challenging problems sets them apart. They have access to resources and processes that give them a unique vision on how mobile technology, big data, and machine learning can be leveraged for the betterment of the pulmonary hypertension community. This is the experience, and I am Lafern Cusack. If you want more information, log on to ESPNLA.com and go to the experience page and download more podcasts or check me out on Twitter. Thanks for joining me. Remember to vote. Let your vote count. See you back here next week on ESPNLA 710. ESPNLA 710.